Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic today on the show. One of my colleagues over at The Athletic, Eric Name, is back. I feel like last time we did this, there was like a probably two-year gap in between your appearances on the show. And now we're getting you back like a month and a half later. This is great. I'm excited to have you here, Eric. I I was going to say two weeks, but maybe it's been longer than that. It feels like two weeks. (laughs) So there was news today overnight while I was sleeping. Eric obviously was awake and got a chance to talk about this and break it all down as it was happening. Damian Lillard is now a Milwaukee Buck, the team that Eric covers over in Milwaukee. Damian Lillard has been traded finally. And I got to be honest, I'm excited about this. I kept talking about Damian Lillard to the Bucks as like the sleeper team the whole way. I felt like that was the thing that made the most sense to me, frankly, outside of Miami. And I felt like it was the easiest way to get Drew uh, it, it involved in a deal if you wanted to, you know, kind of change the core of this Bucks team. Just before we dive into all of this, I want to read off the details of this deal so that everybody can kind of let it sink in if you haven't heard yet. The Bucks acquire Damian Lillard. The Blazers acquire Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, Tumani Kamara, a 2029 first round pick from the Milwaukee Bucks and two pick swaps, I believe in 2028 and 2030. The Phoenix Suns acquire Yusuf Nurkic, Nasir Little, Keon Johnson, and Grayson Allen. We'll talk about whatever the fuck the Suns are doing here momentarily. But from each team's perspective, it's basically for the Bucks, Drew Holiday, a pick, two pick swaps, Grayson Allen for Damian Lillard. For the Blazers, they get DeAndre Ayton, Drew Holiday, Tamani Kamara, all of this draft capital for Damian Lillard, Keon Johnson, Nasir Little. For the Suns, it's, uh, what is it? It's going to be Aiton, Kamara, and I think that's it for Nurkic, Little, Keon Johnson, and Grayson Allen. So let's dive in and talk about the Buck side of this. I'll just give you the floor here, Eric, because this is your... This is the team you know better than anybody. What was your immediate thought when the Milwaukee Bucks acquired Damian Lillard today? Uh, that's an aggressive play. <laughs> that That's a, a really aggressive play. And, um, you know, I, I just think it's it's really interesting to try to put all of it together because Damian Giannis, that is a pairing that works really well together. Um, throughout Giannis's career, I know it's always kind of been a, a question to me. It's like, oh, you know, who's the best passer that Giannis has ever played with? Who's the best pick and roll partner he's ever played with? And I, I mean, the answer to both might be Chris Middleton. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, again, Chris Middleton's a fantastic player and no one is ever going to 
hear me saying anything other than that because he has been now for years. But that isn't what you're imagining when you're imagining pick and roll basketball. You're imagining a point guard with a bigger player and you're really stressing out the defense as much as possible. It's not two wings. It's not a, a wing big and a big. It is a point guard and a big. And this is something that Giannis just has not been a part of really throughout his entire career. They, they've tried some stuff. DJ Augustine came in for a little bit uh, before they traded for PJ Tucker during the championships. Like they've, they've tried some other stuff. Uh, and for, for people, can you understand why Drew was, or can you explain for people why sure. Drew was not that guy? And so I, I Drew Holiday was a good pick and roll partner. Um, he, he's a, an undeniably creative player, but at the same time, he's not going to be that, you know, one dribble pull up three kind of guy. He he can do that. And he did some of that this year. And that's why he flirted with an all NBA type of thing uh, or an all NBA type of honor, but he, he doesn't do that. And you saw in the playoffs over and over again, the heat this year, the Celtics in previous years, the, the nets and the Suns and the Hawks in previous years, uh, essentially when, a point guard would get into a pick and roll with Giannis. The other team just said, cool, you want to shoot? It's all yours. You can yeah. shoot as many times as you want because we are not going to allow the rim-destroying freak of nature to run free down the middle of the lane. We are going to help. We are going to sag. We are going to tag. We are going to do whatever is humanly possible to slow him down and not let him have the rim. And plenty of times... It didn't matter, right? You built the wall. He jumped over the top of it. Euro stepped around it, whatever. It was still that. But at the base of it, it was always we can sag off of that point guard or take our time getting back to that point guard. Because while they might beat us on a couple possessions, you can't beat us all night doing that. Eventually, you want to get it to Giannis. And if you do that to Dame Lillard, he will put 50 on you. Yes. Plain and simple. If you decide that that's a coverage you can accept because you want to slow down Giannis, Dame will put 50 on you and you're most likely going to lose. Um, your your only chance will be to score with them. And and, and this is just something that the Bucks have not had uh, over the years. So it, honestly, it, it, the, the, the fit is so simple and easy that, you know, I think a lot of times you worry about, you know, the talent that you're adding five days before training camp or whatever it is uh, that we're, we're about to start. But, like, this one's pretty simple. You traded a point guard yeah. and a shooting guard for a point guard. You got a point guard that's more talented with the ball in his hands. Uh, and, and that point guard happens to be one of the 75 greatest players of all time. Uh, third team All-NBA last year that scored 32 points per game and averaged seven assists per game. He's been one of the most dangerous players off the bounce from the moment he stepped in the league almost a decade yes. ago. Um, that That's easy. Like it, Offensively, that pairing is very simple. Um, and even if you still want to have Giannis with the ball in his hands a lot in attacking, Dame Lillard can spread the floor. He's he's a great shooter. He will knock that down. Uh, and then that's not even getting into like the other options, right? Like we're talking about Chris Middleton, who averages yeah. twenty points per game per like, every season now for yes. I don't know five or six years. He's a third option that 
isn't quote unquote going to get thought about. Uh, good luck slowing that down, dude, like that dude down uh, with very little offensive attention. And oh, by the way, there's a fourth option, Brooke Lopez, who, if you decide to do something crazy in the pick and roll, could get a mismatch in the post and go to work. He could space to the corner and make sure that Giannis has the maximum amount of space possible. You could run a Spain pick and roll and set the most devastating Spain screen in the history of Spain screens with Brooke Lopez at the middle. You could you could do so many things. The offensive combinations that you can get from those four alone, and we can go further down the roster and the depth and the rest of that, but just at its base, if you're just talking about how this works with the key pieces of the Milwaukee Bucks, it's pretty simple. I think people are so I've seen some people question like how much better are the Bucks now than they were. Uh, how much does this really improve them? Drew Holiday was really good. Drew Holiday is really good. Drew Holiday is great. I think people are way overthinking this. The level to which Damian Lillard is an upgrade on Drew Holiday offensively is drastic. And it's specifically drastic in the ways that Eric just outlined that are going to make it exceptionally devastating for defenses to try and stop. Having that pull-up threat that Giannis has never had is in the ball screen scenario is going to make it almost impossible to guard 1-4-1-5 ball screens, whatever you want to call Giannis, basically Dame Giannis ball screens. Having Brooke Lopez spacing to the corner or playing in Spain pick and rolls, like you just said, is devastating because he can shoot threes at a 37% clip and can handle switches in ball screens or can pick and pop if you want Dame to run the second unit. This also allows you to just have Chris run the second unit if you want to, and that's been happening for a few years. But the level of the level to which Chris is going to have to expend less energy offensively now trying to create everything is going to lead to a trickle down with his energy level being able to be expended on the second unit, in my opinion. So it's it's going to be insane. This should be, I think, the best offense in the NBA, point blank. I don't actually see, at the very least, maybe Dallas could get there, maybe Sacramento could get there. At the very least, in terms of how it translates to basketball at the highest levels, this should be the best offense, I think, in the NBA and the hardest thing to stop. Because I actually don't know how you deal with Giannis now if you have four shooters around him on the court and the Bucks have enough to where they can make that work or they can go acquire one if they need to. I mean... Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think through other offenses in like what... The Suns are going to be really cool to watch this year. Um, the, yep. the, the Warriors are always good. Like there's other there's other teams out there that are going to be really interesting. But I think a number of those teams kind of come with questions about fit in how this works, in uh, who's stepping on whose toes, in how you're getting into action. Just there's there's more questions. This to me just all feels incredibly clean and. You mentioned like the the one four pick and roll kind of being unstoppable, and the thing I've been thinking about since the trade kind of occurred is like for years you've watched Draymond Green, one of the all time processors of the game, get to work out of four on three 
advantages, right? Like that's that's the whole thing. He's in the middle, pick and roll with Steph. Steph gets so much attention. Clay gets so much attention. You give him the ball in the middle of the floor, and then he makes the right decision. Um, if you put things together the right way, Giannis Antetokounmpo will have a one man advantage, and. As we've seen before, typically if you don't have plus one defenders in Giannis's way and build up the wall, you're not stopping him. So now you're going to be down two defenders and somehow need to, one, stop him from getting to the basket. But if you do commit all of your resources to getting it to that spot and stopping him in the basket, it is a kick out to Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, Malik Beasley, Pat Connaughton, uh, what uh, you can keep Bobby going. Is still there. Like, Bobby Port- you can go down yeah. the line, and, and it's just going to be it's going to be really tough. Um, I think one thing that you know maybe gets overlooked initially. Uh, Terry Stotts is on the staff here in Milwaukee. Uh, Terry Stotts has plenty of sets in the playbook for Damian Lillard, how to get Damian Lillard free, and and if I had a guess. I would guess Terry's pretty excited about the idea that he can now run some plays that have Giannis running down the lane in Yusuf Nurkic's spot or, or whoever you want to say, I I would guess he can think up some pretty creative stuff. So uh, I think offensively um, everything's going to be really good. And uh, I don't, I don't think it's going to take a long time. I think there are defensive questions. That part of it is probably undeniable. um, but I, I'd I'm love like, to hear your thoughts. I'm like less worried about that, I guess. But I've always thought the Drew was the third most important part of that defense. Sure. Like I've always thought Brooke is one and Giannis is two. And as long as they have those two, it's going to be just about impossible to score on the interior. And that remains true. Basically, all you need is Dame to give effort fighting over the top right. in drop coverage. And as long as he's willing to do that, and I think he will, like you're probably going to be okay. Look, it probably is. They probably need one of Marjan Beauchamp or Andre Jackson to like really step up and be an impactful defensive player. But with how much they're still going to be able to completely shut off the paint offensively, I think it's going to be really, really hard for teams to like you're you're just living and dying with potentially like walk in pull up threes or they still have the ability to go small and play Giannis at the 5 and then try and you know finagle away around that maybe it's like Beauchamp and like you've Beauchamp like guard like the better wings yeah it, it's i'm less worried about the defense but i'd love to hear your take on it so uh, i think the and by, by the way, when I say Drew was the third most important defender, sure. I mean no disrespect to Drew. Yeah, I think both Brooke and Giannis are top 10 defenders in the league. Uh, Drew's unbelievable, but continue. I just wanted to make that clear. Sure. Um, I agree that like the the backbone of any NBA defense is going to be at the rim and how you're protecting the rim. That's just kind of how these things work. It's pretty rare that you're going to anchor everything with really strong perimeter defense. You're going to need someone at the rim to do it. So um, I I do think Brooke and Giannis are capable of covering for a lot of mistakes. Um, I think the tough part is trying to figure out exactly how you – 
set up the levers and pulleys on both sides of the ball to make sure you're getting what you need on both ends. And what mm-hmm. I mean by that is, you know, in the past it would be Chris Middleton is going to have the ball in his hands at the end of games. So you're going to kind of have to save up his energy and all right, that means for the first three quarters, you can't have Chris on Kevin Durant, but in crunch time, you can have Chris on Kevin Durant. He he can cover him. That's what we saw in the 2021 second round uh, playoff series against the Nets. Like you can kind of do those things. So how low can you turn Chris's workload, effort, whatever, offensively to get what you need defensively? Same thing with Giannis. Last year he has the highest usage rate of his career by a pretty wide margin. Um, I'm sure he'll be delighted to to bring that down some and use – some more space with Dame. But again, you have to figure out how much can you bring this down and then conversely pull up what he's doing defensively. So uh, all of those things are going to be like, while I think there's some parts of this that are pretty easy and simple to figure out pretty much from the get-go and and they'll be fine. I I do think there are some other things that are going to be a little bit touchy and you're going to have to figure that out. Uh, The Bucks have been talking about playing a more aggressive defensive style and trying to get out in transition and create more steals and turnovers. If you do that, you're asking for even more from Brooke Lopez, even more from Giannis Tedekumbo. Can you try to be that aggressive defensively and not compromise Dame? Uh, can Chris yep. Middleton survive in that same way? Or is the offense so good with those four guys that we've mentioned, the Bucks' core four guys, that you yeah. just say, screw it, and you put someone out there like Marjan Bochamp, who's six foot seven and is long armed and can just kind of move around and just say, Hey, you don't need to do anything on offense, man. Like if you're open, shoot it. But other than that, defensively, we need everything from you. Andre Jackson Jr. A guy that you adore. Um, can yeah. you do the same? He's a rookie. So it's probably not going to work out for this season, but like, how do you pack Honiton? Hey, you're not going to do much on offense. We need more from you on defense. Like, how do you kind of get all of that? Because I do think they they don't have the one-on-one wing defenders that I think a lot of teams are looking for and want yeah. during the postseason because you're un, you're absolutely going to play a big wing at some point that's super talented, and you're going to have to defend that dude. Last year, they tried to put Drew on Jimmy Butler, and it did not work. Um, I, I'm of the yeah. belief that Giannis can do a little bit more of that than Bud ever allowed him to do. Um, but again, it, it seems like he wants to, for what it's worth, too. Like for sure. he, he brings but, it up. But at the same time, if he's doing that offensively, how much can you do over this? So, like those, that to me, it's not a situation where I think they're screwed defensively. It's yeah. a situation <laughs> where it's like, okay, can they be? 15 throughout the year and have the number one offense, which seems likely, and then turn it up in the postseason. I I think what you want to do as a team is make sure you can get buckets in the playoffs and then the defense tends to figure itself out. But over the years, we've seen teams win the other way. So like, I I just think that give and take the pull of how you try to figure all that out is going to be fascinating to see. Because I I do think they're at a slight deficit defensively, even with two incredibly talented defenders like Giannis and and Brooke. The thing with Giannis taking on more responsibility defensively is that he's always had to create so much offensively. He doesn't have to do that anymore. Damian Lillard is here. Damian Lillard 
is coming off of his best season individually in the NBA. He averaged 32 points last year, seven assists. He shot 46-37-91. He had a true shooting percentage that was 11% above league average. That is his career high in terms of that metric. Even though he was surrounded by that team, he was surrounded by in Portland. That's ridiculous. Damian Lillard is getting better. He is unbelievably good. Here are the other two things that I want to talk about before we move on to talk about some of these other teams. I think that the Bucks' best chance to retain Giannis was shaking things up. I think they had to do something. Whether or not it was this, whether or not it was something else, I think they had to do something. I think that this is the best possible move that they could have made in order to convince Giannis to sign at the end of this season. I I respect what Drew Holiday brought to the table. I also thought it was very, very interesting that yesterday there was a big takeout feature on Drew Holiday, basically where he said, like, look, I know I've commented before, I think on Andre Iguodala and Evan Turner's podcast, saying that, you know, I might retire after this contract, but I'm not going to do that. I've kind of been working under the assumption that like it was a possibility at least, you know, whether or not it would happen or not. I thought that getting Dame in that way where Dame is going to play at least for the next four years, let's say allowed the bucks real certainty to provide to Giannis that, Hey, we're still going for it around you. And we got you one of the best 75 players in NBA history around you. I think that that lines up better with trying to get Giannis to resign, which is ultimately the whole ball game now for Milwaukee. Uh, so I think there's a number of avenues, right? The Bucks could have gone here, right? Like there's the idea that, oh, that now that he's mentioned it, blow it up and trade him. And that was never going to happen. The Bucks have always been very aggressive and done what they've needed to try to do to, to try to keep him around. And I think this summer they're in a spot where, while I'm sure they would have loved to, you know, make a crazy move, they pretty much just had to bring Chris back. They pretty much had to bring Brooke back and line themselves up for something in the future. And and this was kind of like the one move that, man, trading Drew Holiday is really hard. And, and not just because he's a great player. He's a great person. He's been a great teammate. Everybody loves him. And if you're the organization – that was the guy that you traded for that won you the championship in 2021. And I'm not trying to say he's the reason why they won. They had great efforts from Giannis and Chris and and the whole team. But if you have a, a soul, if you have a heart, you have that sentimentality where it's like, this is the guy that got it done with us, right? Like he, he did it. And now I have to trade that guy away man, that's, that's really hard. And I've compared this trade a lot in my, my story at the athletic is getting posted here in a second, but like I've compared it, I've compared this trade to the Drew holiday trade in 2020. Uh, you had the same sort of uncertainty about Giannis and whether or not he's going to sign a supermax extension and, and kind of what was going to happen there. And John Horst decided to make a bold move and he traded his all defensive point guard along with a bevy of picks and got himself drew holiday who 
at the time, you know, there there was some idea, is it that much of an upgrade? Well, it ended up being that. But that time, you had come up short. And and I think it's easier when you've come up short to to not have that sentimentality, like not feel mm-hmm. like you owe anyone anything. And in this situation, you have Drew Holiday, who, who did win the thing with you and who has been great, who signed up, who signed an extension uh, in the year after the championship. Like he's been great and you have to give that up. And uh, I, to trade a guy like that, you needed someone as talented as Dame Lillard. If it's not someone that talented, I don't think you can do it. Like, I don't think you can make that shakeup move just to make the shakeup move because you're not proving anything to Giannis. If you're just shaking it up for the sake of shaking it up, you need to show that kind of linear progress. And I think Dame Lillard is undeniably a step up from Drew Holiday. No matter what I think of Drew Holiday, and I think a lot of them, I think he's a great player, Dame Lillard's better. And and that's the, the kind of move you make and the signal that you make to Giannis. And again, it, it's up to him when he wants to sign an extension, if he wants to sign an extension, how many years he wants to sign an extension, all of that is still up to him. But this is a move that is serious talent. This is a true upgrade. There, While there might be some people that are going to argue with you or me about this being you know, a massive upgrade or an upgrade that makes them undeniably the, the favorites for the NBA title, um, I don't think there's an argument to be made that Drew Holiday is better than Dame Lillard. Like Dame's better. And I think that's the the kind of message you can send to Giannis and be like, Hey man, we are, we are really pushing and going for this. And signed longer as well. Like he's now cost controlled, which is big. Uh, Whether or not that's a big, it's a big number that he's cost controlled at, but he's cost controlled. It is. Uh, the, The other, I just want to note here, this is by far the best team Lillard has ever played with. And I'm like, truly, fascinated to see what that looks like i think it's you know he's always been the underdog it feels like in some ways when it comes into the playoffs that's not going to be the case anymore and i want to see that i think it's going to be really really fun to watch let's take a quick commercial break and then we're going to talk about this from the blazers perspective finally cashing in on lillard we're talking about players securing the bag when they get drafted in June. I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. This is going to hide your location from your ISP, hackers, and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. Some movies are blocked in Australia. It's really hard for me to watch them. Uh, For instance, uh, anybody who's tried to get their hands on Godzilla Minus One recently knows that it's basically only available in Japan. And you need a VPN if you want to go to like Amazon Prime or something to be able to watch it. So... When I'm blocked from watching a movie in Australia, I just queue up my VPN. I change my location and it unlocks a category of movies from all of my favorite streaming services. As somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. 
Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. NordVPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shot blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions. Just head to nordvpn.com slash game theory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y to claim your account. Plus, with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash game theory to claim your account, nordvpn.com slash game theory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord. And it's a great product. So nordvpn.com slash game theory. Okay, we're back. I want to talk about this from the Blazers' perspective because I like this return a lot more than some people seem to. And I want to hear another opinion on it. So first and foremost, I think I'm a little bit higher on DeAndre Ayton than some people are as far as like, I think that he's overpaid. But if you're Portland, you probably don't really care about the money that on DeAndre is paid because you're rebuilding now and you need somebody on a max contract anyway. So if you like DeAndre, you might as well go for it. And we'll talk more about the fit with DeAndre momentarily here. Drew Holiday, to me, definitely has less value than Damian Lillard, and I would expect him to get less than Damian Lillard in a trade. The other piece of this for Drew Holiday, though, is that Holiday is a much more fungible asset in a trade for other teams to go and acquire. You can get so many more teams involved in a Drew Holiday sweepstakes now than you can in a Damian Lillard sweepstakes, in part because Damian Lillard, you know, artificially limited the market through some of his words, right? Like, if you are the Blazers now, and we'll talk about a couple of fake trades I like momentarily here. If you're the Blazers now, like you can go to Boston, to Golden State, to Dallas, to Toronto, to Miami. You you could try and literally like ask Miami for the same exact things that you asked for, for Damian Lillard. And Miami like might not have a recourse to say no, because at the end of the day, Drew is still probably the best player on the market right now. So you still dictate the market in a real way. And you also get DeAndre Ayton plus this draft capital. And I want to focus on the draft capital with you momentarily before we kick into anything else. I think this draft capital is the best I'd seen from all of the other teams. You get the 2029 pick that is unprotected, I believe. Right, Eric? You get the 228 and 30 pick swaps. And this is all after this Bucks core ages out. Like Brooke Lopez is 35. 
Chris Middleton's 32 and his deal goes through 2026. Damian Lillard is 33. His deal goes through 2027. Giannis is 29. turns 29 in December, but like, I don't know how he's going to age. You talk to people around the league, like there's real question about just how that physical brutish style where he's taking contact, taking bumps every single play down the court without having really improved as a shooter throughout the course of his career is going to mature as he gets into his early thirties. Let's call it. How long does his prime extend out? He's always going to be a good player, but like, there's a tangible difference if Milwaukee has Giannis at 33, 34 years old, which he'd be at the end of where these picks are trying to come through. And he's like a top 40 player in the league as opposed to a top three player in the league. How do you feel about the picks here? I feel like the picks are more valuable than the Miami picks and Toronto picks because of the way that Milwaukee's roster is currently set. Yeah. I mean, so the tough part for me is always um, I'm always curious to see how willing a general manager or front office is to trade for something um, that's like the absolute furthest that a team can give yeah. up because you are correct in saying that like, if you're talking about trying to trade for, you know, the picks for the time when the bucks get bad, um, these have a lot bigger chance than the ones that the Pelicans did, right? Like the, the Pelicans got the picks from the Drew Holiday trade, and that's great. But also, the Bucks are probably still going to have talented players at that time, and you weren't going to see top 10 picks. There's a much greater chance here. Um, is, is Cronin still going to have a job when those picks come through? So uh, here would be my, like, here'd be my case against that. You still have the Drew Holiday trade asset sure. to be able to go get the current value. You've gone now and gotten what might be the most valuable long-term value That's with fair. these Bucks pick picks. You still have this Drew asset that you're probably going to move. Yeah. And now you can go get the short-term value. Look, it, it's an incomplete trade package at this point, right? Because we don't For know sure. what Drew is going to be. But that's that's why I'm I think a little bit higher on this than what I, I've seen like people saying this is like horrible for Portland and I I just like don't agree with that whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, so I do think there's like a couple things here. First, like that's very forward thinking, and I, I think sometimes there's not GMs out there that are willing to do it because they're not sure that they're gonna have a job. Be like, okay, yeah, yeah. those are the picks that we want. We need them closer. Um, so I do think in your line of thinking of trying to add up all the picks, yeah, it's probably going to work out the best to have the most value possible late. Um, I, I think when we're talking about holiday, um, you did mention the, the fact that, you know, he had done an interview with, you know, uh, the other beat writer here in Milwaukee, Jim Ozarski with the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel and, you know, had dispelled the, the rumor that, he had, I guess it's not a rumor because he himself started it on a podcast and said, <laughs> at the end of this contract, you know, I'm not, I'm going to retire. Yeah. Um, but in doing so, he said, you know, I was in a different place at that time and now I'm happy and, you know, I'm happy to win and I'm happy with the place that I am. And, you know, Milwaukee is, as he said many times before, like Milwaukee is a place that he wants to be. Um, and that's great, except he's not Milwaukee anymore. 
and I'm not saying he can't find a great place somewhere else. Um, yeah. That that's that's not what I'm saying at all. But I do think if you're one of those other teams, you are going to have to vet the situation. You are going to have to know, like, all right, we don't know what your extension situation is. You're not extension eligible until February 22nd, I think, if I remember the date correctly, uh, mm-hmm. uh, coming up here in 2024. That is where I'd have some concern about the value. Overall, I do agree with like the idea that he's more attractive to more teams because his contract is better and he plays defense and he can play multiple positions and he's not going to have to dominate the ball in the same ways that Damian Lillard is. Um, but I will say like, that is one thing that I, I do think you have to vet if you're another team, like, yes, Drew Holiday was happy to sign an extension walkie and keep playing here, but it, it I, I've, I'm obviously biased because I live in Milwaukee. Um, uh, and I'm not talking about the weather. It's pretty nice in Milwaukee right now. Giannis is here. Chris is here. Brooke is here. You're going to keep winning. Um, that might not be the case elsewhere. So I, I do wonder if that question that we thought had been taken out is now put back into into play because he's no longer uh, here in Milwaukee. So just a few quick other things here on Drew. My favorite destination for drew has always been golden state i think golden state if they get him they're the title favorite even above milwaukee at this point uh you look at what they could do at that point with steph you could play a lineup of steph drew clay thompson wiggins draymond green and that is like an absolute fucking death lineup uh you could go big with looney and draymond you wouldn't have to rely on drew to create as much offensively because you have Stephen Curry and that would be incredibly valuable for him. Like there are just so, so many different iterations of that that work. And on top of it, they have this expiring Chris Paul deal now that really gives them a significant substantial ability to facilitate any deal that they want to. And if there was one player I was trying to acquire for the golden state warriors, like right now, I think it would be drew holiday. Like, I I actually think that he's the one that lines up best. So I look at this and I'm just like, why you could do like Chris Paul, Kaminga and like pods and like a first for Drew Holiday. And yeah, I guess that that's a lot of value. But you're Golden State and you're trying to win a title and you decided to lock in with Draymond and Andrew Wiggins this offseason Jonathan Kaminga, it's going to be hard to play Kaminga in the playoffs with Draymond Green for the rest of this core, which is at least three more years. It's going to be hard to play like Gary Payton the second with Jonathan Kaminga, frankly, because of that. To me, Kaminga is like a really interesting trade asset league wide. And if I was Portland, I would have interest in him for sure. He's an interesting, talented player. I just think the way that Golden State's roster is set up right now, like, Kuminga makes a lot of sense to move. And if, you know, you're getting a really interesting former top seven pick for Drew Holiday, plus you're getting maybe one pick out into the future and you're getting, you know, something else. It could be Pajemski. It could be, you know, whatever you want it to be. That feels like a win across the board for everybody to me. Yeah. I mean, you look at Drew, that's a California kid. Um, uh, obviously not from the Bay, he's from LA, but still, I think lifestyle would agree with him. Um, championship potential 
would agree with him. Um, I do, I do think it, it kind of makes a lot of sense. Uh, I'm trying to remember what's the word Mike Dunleavy used yesterday when he was talking to uh, Slater. It, they're on a championship time horizon right now uh, for this time horizon. That that is yeah. correct. You, you need to it lines up. You need to maximize it, and you need to do everything that you can to win right now with those guys. Because I think when you look at Draymond and Clay, um, I think every year could be the year where it goes sideways. And I'm not saying I'm not predicting that this year. They could both be great, but there is a non-zero chance that this is the year where it's like end of the road. Just yep. they don't they don't have the bounce. They don't have any of that. And uh, I know how good Clay was last year. Um, and I know the Dray, like Draymond put together a really nice postseason. But like, I, I think you have to but worry they about that. need defenders. Like right. that's the thing. Like Clay was good offensively last season, but he has dropped off slightly on defense at this point. So I like that spot. P- I've seen people bring up Philadelphia. I mean, is Philadelphia giving up Tyrese Maxey? I mean, if they are, great. Sounds good. If they're not, then I don't really see it for Philly uh, because the Clippers don't have anything to give for James Harden that Portland should be interested in at the end of the day. Uh, Boston is one that I love. I love the idea of like Malcolm Brogdon salary plus something else. I don't know that I would want to give up Al Horford if I'm Boston because he's the center that stays healthy there. uh, And that's really important. For them, I get it that you know you have Rob and you have Kristaps now, and you might think Horford is expendable, but I, I would feel I'd feel concern about that. And I know that like the money is that's how you make the money work, basically, is by giving up uh, Horford. But man, that's that's a tricky one to me. The other team is Dallas. Like if you wanted to get a great, the thing I said on the last podcast about Dallas was point of attack defense for Luca and Kyrie. Like that's what you want. You want to pair them with like a great point of attack defender who can also like somewhat manage wings. And that's why I like Josh green as a starter for them. Yep. What if you moved Josh green and some of their contract ballast and Omax or something like that for drew holiday. The problem is they don't have any pick capital at this point, which makes it a lot harder. But again, you've gotten your long-term pick capital now maybe you are more willing to do like a bit more of a current contracted long-term value kind of thing. So I'm intrigued by all of that with them. Yeah. I mean, as you said before, Drew Holiday is a spectacular player. Um, I I can't imagine there's going to be a shortage of teams around the league that And again, these things take time. Um, I think right at the start of the season is a really tough time to do a trade. Obviously we just saw one pulled off, but it's really tough. Everyone's at their roster max. Everyone's thinking about let's get off to a great start. These are our people. This is our team. This is the squad that we believe in. So it, it is very possible that this takes a little while. Um, and you figure out exactly who's in on Drew and how in they are on Drew. And, and Drew starts the season in Portland and actually helps out that young roster like he could be helpful for them for the first 20 games or so as you figure this out um but yeah i don't i don't think there's gonna be a shortage of teams that that would like having drew holiday on their roster and then with drew the other 
landing spot is probably, you know, if Portland is willing to deal with Miami, which look again, my opinion on all of this, I mentioned this uh, previously is that teams will work through whatever they have to work through. Uh, again, I don't think Miami could actually top this offer from Milwaukee and it just makes the most sense to me. Let's move to Phoenix now. Can you, can you explain this to me? No, it's a, it's a, <laughs> and, and it's a tough one for me too, because I think I saw Deandre Ayton at or near his best in the 2021 playoffs where it was like, the first two games of the finals, the Bucks tried to switch on him and he just punished them. Absolutely destroyed them. And it was like, I don't know if they have an answer. Uh, and, and then Aiden wasn't as effective in, in the Bucks stopped switching as much. And they figured out some things. But that was on the heels of uh, an entire Western Conference playoffs where it was like, oh, this is a dude. Um, he, he can play. Um, and, and I don't know. Like, I... I get the blood is really bad there and they've had a rough two years since that moment, but I, I think I'm probably a bigger fan of Aiden than most people. Like it just feels like yeah. I, I don't, I don't get throwing your hands up in the air and being like, well, I guess we can't do anything with this young guy that has at least shown the potential to be an impact player in the postseason. That's just something you throw away. Like, uh, okay. How, how many how many centers have been genuinely impactful in the playoffs recently? It's and by the way, De- DeAndre was not this year, so like right. it's been a roller coaster. I get that, but yeah, I mean, like Brooke Lopez has done it in Milwaukee. Um, I'd say Rob Will and Al Horford in Boston. Um, Embiid has been impactful, but not as impactful as he should be. Um, Jokic, obviously. Yeah, obviously Jokic, but like it's minimal is the point here. And with DeAndre, what worries me is like, are they thinking, are they thinking that Nurkic is a better defender than him? Like, is that, is that the idea? Because the tape last year does not bear that out. Uh, And look, I want to give the caveats and maybe this is where I try and give like the case for maybe what Phoenix is thinking here. Yusuf Nurkic had a calf injury last year. Okay. Couldn't move. Maybe let's say he really couldn't move, man. Like he had very little chance in ball screen defense at any point last year. And part of it, frankly, like it didn't feel like the effort was great either for Yusuf. And that's not a great sign either, but Maybe you get him to Phoenix. The effort is better. Maybe the calf injury is healed. It all looks a little bit better. There's also the potential idea that uh, he's just a better offensive fit because he's a little bit better of a screener than DeAndre is. Like maybe you could make that case. I'll, I'll hear that out. Maybe. But the big case here is like you're cutting this contract from DeAndre into multiple pieces and you're not investing as much in the center position anymore. And you have Nasir Little and Grayson Allen now who can be impactful players and round out your depth. I I think that's the center position is just so much more important for them than having depth. I think you can find the depth. And I think that this is a huge opportunity cost failure for Phoenix where like, I think that there probably would have been a better deal for Deandre 
at some point than Yusuf Nurkic and a couple of guys. Grayson's definitely a rotation player, but like we have no idea if Nasir Little's a rotation player on a good team yet, at least. Uh, he was in Portland and was like somewhat valuable uh, when he was healthy, but like we, we don't know what that looks like yet for him in a tough, you know, real game environment yet. So th- this is so bizarre to me. Like uh, Nurkic, Nurkic was like rough last year. He was not good. And on top of it, Phoenix has basically has imported Portland's center rotation from last year. And like, I like Drew Eubanks just fine, but like, that was the worst defense, if not the worst defense in the league. It was bottom three defense in large part because of their inability to protect the rim. I just, I don't get this at all for Phoenix. This this makes like very, very little sense to me. I mean, it just feels like that relationship was so wrecked that they wanted to find a way out. Like, I think it's hard to explain it without that being the case, right? And I mean as you talked about, Oh, you know, maybe down the road, there's a better trade for Aiton, And it just seems like they weren't willing to do 20 games of it. Like to find that or to, you know, let that, whatever team it is, figure out that they do want Aiden. And I don't know. It's, it just feels like that is a, it's an organizational failure in, you know, the two years where you thought you may need to do this, right? Like you straight up had Jay Crowder sit out for an entire season and Jay Crowder wasn't good for the Bucks this year. He might be actually kind of important for them this year, um, but <laughs> he, he wasn't good for them last year. And you just decided to toss away a year of Jay Crowder when he was starting in NBA finals games. And because of that, then now you've decided to trade eight, like just the way that they managed all of their assets. And that's not to say that they're not going to be one of the best teams in the West, right? They got a lot of freaking talent and, you know, Matt Ishbia has really pushed all in here. So they're going to be fine. But yeah, as you look through the asset management, it's just, it's a, it's a tough look. Well, and so, so here's the other thing. It's not even just asset management. It's like, it is, it's like asset combined with relationship management, kind yeah. of. This all started, in my opinion, in 2021, when they chose not to extend DeAndre Ayton. He was very clearly not happy about that. And it, like, it seems like it poisoned the well a bit in terms of how he felt about the organization. And then on top of it, after he had quite a good year last year, Like he was one of the 10 best centers in the league in terms of metrics, like advanced metrics, which theoretically should not like DeAndre Ayton, still liked DeAndre Ayton last year. And then they still made him go out and find an offer from somebody. Yeah. It's just not how you go about business with a player that like you've talked about before having like motivational questions the way that they handled the DeAndre Ayton asset to me was very, very mismanaged. If you didn't want to pay him, you trade him before you pay him. You don't trade him now where you're getting a player that like, I I do not think Yusuf Nurkic can play in the playoffs. Like point blank. I do. I think that can like, I've seen some people speculate 
yeah, like maybe they're trying to get him because they think he's a better defender on DeAndre or on Nikola Jokic than DeAndre Ayton is. Sure. Do you know what they're going to do to Yusuf Nurkic every time? They're just going to put him in a ball screen with Jamal Murray every time. And he's not going to have a chance, I don't think, in the playoffs. So I, I don't see this. You at least know that DeAndre had a chance. But it, to me, like, look, I think like Michael Orlando like brings it up. Phoenix dumping Aiton for a broken player says a lot about how they felt about Aiton. Like, I don't know if Nurkic is broke or is like broken, but I know that he's not what he was. Right. And to me, it's just like kind of a miss. It's a mishandling of the DeAndre Ayton asset for the last two and a half years that ended with this. And I, I just, it, it's pure mismanagement by Phoenix, in my opinion. And look, I have to caveat every fucking thing I say with Phoenix with James Jones has been right in a lot of circumstances where I thought he was crazy and the Cam Johnson pick stands out as a really good example of that. Right. Like he nailed the Cam Johnson pick. You know, there are a few others over the years where I was just like, what are they doing? And it worked. So maybe James Jones sees something I don't. I want to preface that by saying that, but I just don't, I don't know, man, like a, a KD Booker, Beal Nurkic combo feels a lot less exciting to me than what they have now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think or what Aiden, they had before. Sure, no, I, I do think Aiden would have been more interesting. Certainly, I, I don't know. It, like I said, when you first tossed it over to me to talk what the Suns are doing, one, I don't get it, and two, um, if I can rationalize it anyway, it does just feel like the relationship got to be so bad that this is what they needed to do. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, yeah, this is this is a weird one. Uh, very, very weird. I just don't know why they were so gung-ho on getting into this deal. Like, it felt like from the time that, and by the way, John Gambadoro got so much shit <laughs> on the internet for reporting this on September 21st. And he was dead on. He nailed it that the Suns were interested in Nurkic and thought it was like an interesting upgrade. Now, like if he got told that, and then he said the defensive upgrade thing, I I wonder if that means that the Suns think that on Deandre. Um, We shall see. I don't agree, but we shall see Eric. uh, That's all I've got. Tell the people where they can find your work. Tell the people you've got coming up because you're going to be writing on the steel now for a week. Uh, That's right. Tell the people what's going on. Yeah. I mean, we should have up uh, as we close this out, uh, my story up at the athletic, uh, just about the trade, the message that it sends to the world and also Giannis Dedekumbo and just the, the whole idea of, pushing in in this way and in many ways a a year after having a a historic upset in the first round uh going for it again and pushing all of your chips into the table and saying let's do this let's let's go try to win Giannis Dedekumbo's second NBA title uh after that we're gonna look at some film of Dame Lillard and see all the ways that the Bucks can 
use him and how interesting it can get. Uh, and then after that, we're probably going to look at all of the cap implications, which at this moment aren't bad. Luxury tax for this season, uh, if they don't fill the 15th spot, doesn't even go up. It goes down, actually. If they do, it goes up slightly. Um, but again, this is more forward thinking. And I'm sure I will talk to uh, Danny LaRue about all of that. So, yes, as you said, there will be Dame Lillard story after Dame Lillard story after Dame Lillard story. I guess it would be a Dame Lillard press conference at some point, or maybe let us wait until media day and introduce Dame at media day on Monday. But either way, um, it is going to be a busy weekend over at The Athletic. And you can follow me on Twitter at Eric underscore name, N-E-H-M. Eric's the best. Go follow his work. Uh, I will have something up on the seal tomorrow. Uh, I have to write about it. Uh, it's too bizarre to me. Uh, that's all I've got though. Uh, stay subscribed to the podcast. And, you know, I was planning on doing like a big Alex R breakdown from the ignite games. And now this has just completely blown that up. We will see whether or not that occurs, but I will be doing stuff on the athletic is the best way to put it. And I will have another podcast, at least on Sunday night. Uh, we'll see wh- whether or not I do another one this week, but this is a good emergency podcast with Eric until next time we will talk soon.